This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and conveniently is the other person on this podcast. (laughs) It all works out. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being in our home. And that you're, on our you're podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to be in our home and on our podcast. Yeah. And it's nice how convenient this all is. Well, it's it's like you already answered the question, how are you? Everything's nice. <laughs> Everything's convenient. Everything's fine. Right. <laughs> yes, it's fine. It's all fine. Uh, no, I'm, uh, I know last week I just had to be honest. I had a lovely time talking about uh, The Muppet Show, but at the, I had had a long, stressful day. Uh, and at the start of the podcast, I acknowledged it. Uh, as we're recording this week, I'm extremely lucky and I've only had a very long day, but not too stressful of a day. So that's mm. nice. It's an improvement over last week. Yeah. How about you? How are you feeling as we go into this podcast adventure? You know, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I've been in a lot of Zoom meetings today, so <laughs> if you I'm... want to mute me at any point, just say so. <laughs> I just might need to blink a lot because my I can tell I've been staring intently at people, showing I'm paying attention uh, to and doing a lot of work on a small screen today. Uh, but right before we started, I went and did a quick, uh, you know, yoga, touch my toes, sun salutation. So I'm feeling a lot better. Oh, nice, so, nice. Yeah, two uh, minutes of stretching yes. does me good. I have touched uh, my toes in my soul, but not physically in my body today. So maybe I'll get that (laughs) later. Let's get into this uh, because there's so much to talk about. The obsession that we're going to talk about this week is one of those obsessions that is uh, maybe not a long-term lifetime one, but maybe it will be now. Mm -hmm. It is something that is in the current pop culture zeitgeist, and that is WandaVision, uh, the Disney Plus MCU show that just finished, just wrapped up. Uh, is always when we talk about things like uh, any kind of media, huge, huge spoiler warning. Uh, we talk about everything. We might start at the end. You never know. <laughs> um, so we're going to start talking about some of the um, expectations and some of our kind of life experience. What, what were we taking into this as we sat down to watch the first episode of WandaVision? But before even that, I want to see if you have any other caveats you want to share. Um, I mean, always. <laughs> In terms of the ones relevant to this podcast, uh, I would say, you know, <laughs> not life caveats. <laughs> that should be an episode. What are what are all of our life caveats we're obsessed with? Right? What are our buts and howevers? <laughs> Let me just tell you this first. Uh, but no, for this one, uh, the other caveat is, uh, you know, it's a show. We've watched it once. We are not experts. We do not claim to be. We're just going to talk about our experience with the show uh, and maybe with the characters outside of the show. Yeah, You exactly. know, because they're our neighbors. <laughs> Sorry, well, I, spoiler. <laughs> I wish. I mean, huge spoiler alert for reality, which is just such a great WandaVision thing. So much about reality. No, yeah, I think that's a very good uh, thing to say. We watched it with the great weekly experience with the, uh, I think, largely great uh, fan reaction discussion uh that excitement of like it feels like not only are you and the people in your household watching it but you feel like you're watching it with so many people uh really fun but we only watch it once weekly we have not done a quick like (laughs) study rewatch Mm -hmm. um so let's start talking about what we went into the show with 
as people, you know, had a lot of different expectations going into the show, and that became a part of this sort of meta discussion around it. So we'll talk about that. But you are an MCU fan, uh, mm-hmm. but not a big comic book reader. So what did you expect or hope for going in? What was your emotional relationship with Wanda and Vision just from being an MCU fan before you sat down to watch this show that was all about them? Yeah, so I was... um very uh, anticipatory. Like I was really anticipating the show with pleasure. I was looking forward to it, but I wasn't thinking a lot about what I thought it might be. Um, Sometimes that's just how I approach things. I think this one in particular, I really like both Wanda and Vision. They have been, I, I, I can't play favorites because as soon as I say like, oh, they're two of my favorites, then suddenly I remember like, oh, but all of these other people are my favorites. But I really, really enjoy um, both of the characters both of the performances that we have been seeing in the MCU movies. And uh, so I was just very excited to see what are they going to do. We still get to see Wanda and Vision together somehow. And I think I knew, like, had whether it was a clip or I'd seen a picture of, like, something with, like, you know, black and white TV show, like <laughs> 50s sitcom. And I was like, well, that's intriguing. What is this? Yeah. So that is really how I went into it is just excited and waiting to see what they would do. Yeah, just do you like the characters from the MCU, like the actors, and just that real hook of this is going to be something different because for some reason it's black and white television, mm-hmm. at least for part of the teaser trailers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, um, I, I definitely have really enjoyed the characters in the MCU. I do have the comic book connection of reading about them. But at this point, it's getting to be this weird experience for me because I read comics a lot in the 80s. Uh, I had a specific uh, attachment to the Vision and Scarlet Witch uh, 12-issue maxi series, as they were called at the time. It was not going to be an ongoing comic book, but they knew they were just going to... Like, there'd be, like, uh, you know, uh, the miniseries, and they'd be, like, four issues. But the maxi series were, like, it runs for a year. It's a commitment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was... It was such a weird comic book, even to me as a kid, that when I did, like, a very quick perusal of all of the probably, you know, a couple thousand at least comics that uh, I own when we were moving to uh, to Los Angeles here from Minneapolis, that was one of the the 12 issues I, I grabbed, like physically grabbed. because like, I got to revisit this sometime. Oh, wow. And I did start reading uh, the first couple of uh, issues and then uh, like a year ago and then got distracted by something else I needed to read uh, for some reason. Uh, so I've got that real specific relationship with that. But I haven't kept up on all the comics. So, like, I, I, I'll i Google and say, like, okay, I haven't read this. But now I know that, oh, yeah, this is this big thing that happened in the comics. So I kind of have this weird push-pull of, like, I am not an expert. I cannot tell you, especially in recent years, everything that Wanda ever did, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still have this real specific relationship with these characters and their romance in particular. Mm. Uh, and... You know, the very first time we we're seeing Age of Ultron, it's like, okay, well, we're going, we're doing it, right? We're gonna, we're gonna go into uh, Scarlet Witch, but we're not gonna be able to call her Scarlet Witch. We're gonna have to play these games. <laughs> and she, okay, she got her powers from the Mind Stone. All right, and then you know, so much of the film really is about the birth of Vision. Uh, but one of the moments that I was super excited about is when, uh, you know, they connect when, uh, when Wanda, you know, can read his mind and make that connection with him. Mm-hmm. immediately and then when he is the one who ends up you know uh getting her off of sokovia before it, the the chunk of sokovia before it's destroyed mm-hmm. 
And that was for me one of those moments, not as big because the engine was already rolling, but the same kind of excitement from when Nick Fury shows up at the end of Iron Man. He's like, I'd Mm. like to talk to you about the Avengers. It was that, oh, wow, they're going to do it. A romance between a weird magical woman and a, you know, synthesoid, a robot man. The robot man and the magic lady, they're going to be in love. And it hinted to me that the MCU would eventually be willing to do something like we were going to see in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. So How I think fun. I had this sort of like, wow, you know, I read a lot of really bonkers things when I was a kid. So many that I don't remember. I always remember that 12 issue maxi series. I can't tell you everything that happened in it, but I remember like, even as a kid, like this is weird. And it's about if two really different, really ostracized people could have family and love and acceptance and a house and kids. So having that memory made me so excited. It's like, are they doing that? Is that going to be the story? Uh, and I think, you know, in some reason, in some ways it was. Um, and then the other thing that I got really excited about uh, just beforehand, I didn't have any expectations for just, it was a moment of great fun is in the uh, teaser trailers. They had, the oh, there's going to be what looks like a Halloween episode where they wear their real costumes, <laughs> you know, like they are in the comic books that are just too uh, zany to ever actually be on screen. Kind of the same way they did with Captain America, where they found a way to put him in the for real costume, mm-hmm. but <laughs> in the movie he was not happy about it. Uh, <laughs> there, we got the poster of him above us, yep. uh, so I was really excited to see that and see the context of that. So I think that's what I came in with the uh, the excitement of seeing like this to me is the promise of uh, MCU on Disney Plus is we can get into this longer, weirder, deeper story. And I might get to see their original costumes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. And I didn't actually know most of that um, because I don't think we talked about it. Um, or rather, I know we didn't. So that's really fun to kind of know a little bit more about what you were looking forward to it and how much of an impact that uh, relationship had. I knew you that you liked the relationship, but the impact of this particular maxi series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I could go on and on about the maxi series, but I'm going to stop now because most of what I loved about it uh, as a kid really uh, came into this show. So for you, what is your overall reaction to the show? Uh, I assumed from the things that you've uh, told me and observing you that you really enjoyed it. Uh, (laughs) Did you love it? Did you like it? And if so, why did you feel the way you felt? I loved it. Absolutely. I felt like it was so um, it was so fun. And I really enjoyed that it, um, you know, developed the characters, went in different directions you know at first I I enjoyed the um the intrigue the mystery if you will like okay something's going on but what's going on so you weren't frustrated by the first couple episodes you were intrigued absolutely um especially I mean I think I would have been intrigued anyway I I mean I did not watch most of those shows um that it was kind of referencing in fact I had never seen the Dick Van Dyke show uh, until after we watched <laughs> the episode that was directly re- referencing it. But I used to watch like reruns of Bewitched in particular. So yeah. things kind of referring to that um, type of TV show. I was like, oh, well, this is fun. And it's clearly going somewhere. And I, at this point, think I trust the people creating the MCU uh, enough that I was like, okay, I will go on this ride. 
I'm enjoying this ride and I will learn where it's going. I don't need to know ahead of time where the ending is. Yeah. Um, and also that you have that great tre- teaser, I believe, from the very first episode of the person turning off the television set. Television set. Yeah. Television set. Yeah. That, those words. Uh, <laughs> and, You've been on a lot of Zoom meetings. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. Um, so there was instantly that intrigue that there is more to this than what you are seeing. Yeah, yeah, and it immediately put you in that interesting place of we are watching somebody uh, watch something. Yeah, yeah, and then just kind of the way that it jumped forward to um, the outside world. Well, I actually didn't jump forward, jumped backwards uh, as it introduced Monica Rambeau and um, just, you know, some of the other characters that we know from other places within the MCU and seeing them all kind of come together in this way, you know, from... um, Agent Park, I believe, and yeah. um, uh, totally blanking on the scientist's name right now. Yeah. Darcy. Yes. Yes. Uh, which is kind of seeing all of the different ways, you know, it felt like, oh, they know my friend from, I didn't know my friend from work, knows my friends from <laughs> yoga class, and look, they're all here, and we're all going to try to, you know, make sure things don't go wrong over there. And it just, it really felt, um, to me, just just like a like a glorious onion that was being unpeeled uh if i liked onions but just kind of pulling back the layers i'm just gonna me- mess up all the metaphors and not pronounce half the words correctly because my mouth is tired You're fine. but um but i just all of that kind of unraveling of all of the layers and seeing where it was going i just really enjoyed the journey yeah as well as the story and i felt um equal excitement from both honestly yeah i mean the 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 uh, un- unraveling of the onion layers. If onion <laughs> layers can be raveled, these were unraveled onion layers. That makes a ton of sense to me. I want to ask you a little bit more about some of the connections of the characters. Uh, like, you know, I love the way you're saying it with this great sense of humor of like, uh, Ant-Man cop now knows Thor scientist. <laughs> you know, and it can be. And they met, you know, young woman who's grown up from Captain Marvel, you know. You can look at it as this, you're just connecting dots from the franchise, but you had an emotional response to it, and it was intriguing to you, right? And and I want to understand, from your perspective, why? Yeah, well, part of it is because they chose characters that I liked, <laughs> you know. Oh, so it was but- just like an all-star team in some way, like, I like that person, I like that person, cool, they're all together? Yeah, and I think also it's you know it's the idea that they're all characters that we've we've seen, we've spent some time with, they had enough of a... A hook within the places where we've seen them, um, the the movies where we've seen them, the places, the grocery store where we see them. Um, well, I mean, it was, sometimes we do see uh, very great actors at, at our local market. We do, but um, but I feel like you know it wasn't necessarily like oh somebody we didn't even notice from one of the films or right. It, I don't recall that there was anybody who was like a, a big bad or just like, Ugh, they're annoying. I don't want to see them again. Like, I really enjoyed what all of these characters brought to the individual locations. I mean, Monica is different because she's grown up, but I was excited for her for many reasons. But she's carrying that legacy in those relationships. And when exactly, she's, you know, when she's talking about things that she believed in and things that she learned, mm-hmm. you can have that fun question of like, obviously, she's talking about her mom, but how much is she talking about actual Captain Marvel and all, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I think a lot of it for me was, I mean, just really charming, intriguing people who, you know, I like a good mystery. 
And they, I like a good sleuthing, we're going to figure out what's going on, I think is actually part of it. And these characters were brought in to be like, okay, no, we're going to sleuth, we're going to look around, we're going to observe the clues, we're going to use science, we're going to also use intuition that something's not right, and we're going to figure out what's going on. Right, because they all had a good forward moving, this isn't right, and we have to figure out what's truly going on Mm -hmm. energy, uh, the three of them. Yeah, I think there's just, for me, there's a power to, it it can get so um, distracting in a way on social media. It can be fun to have the fan connection, because, but it can be distracting, distracting, uh, to feel like there isn't a narrative or emotional reason for these characters to show up because you're just seeing endless clickbait of let me explain to you this connection and that connection and here's what this shadow on this door might mean for this villain and all that stuff. But when you take characters uh, uh, like like these who um, you we have an emotional relationship to because if you rewatch the films, you're like, we like that person. And for me, it is not that it is specifically doing something that it's not like repeating something I saw in a comic book. So I just wanted to do what the comic book did. What I like in the MCU is the possibility of getting a kind of storytelling that exists in the narrative, ongoing narrative world building form of comic books that can now exist uh, in movies and on television in a way that it never had before. You know, I've been rereading some of the comics, particularly back when uh, the era that I was reading them. So kind of the mid eighties. And I, I just finished reading about uh, the New Mutants, so I was like, I want, I really want to read this specific run of uh, the New Defenders because I remember that uh, liking that and thinking that was really strange. And like, I get like a couple issues into it, and like, and the New Mutants show up, <laughs> and Nick Fury's in that, uh-huh. and they're talking about how they were at you know Hellcat's wedding, and uh, they formed when the Vision got kidnapped. And these characters just live in this giant weird world together and it's this just mashup of of characters and genres and ideas and they don't need to stay in their lane and it creates this really bizarre world particularly in marvel where marvel's world building isn't like dc's world building is like gotham is apparently always stuck in the hell version of art deco era you know (laughs) and you know metropolis is gleaming future city uh but like Marvel is just like, it's New York and Los Angeles, and they exist exactly as they do in their real world, uh, but there's a Tiger Woman, and that android is a movie star, and that person's a witch, and that one has a sword that comes from hell, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they just all populate our real world in mm-hmm. that the thrill of all of these different ideas symbolized by these different characters interacting, to me, is the promise of the MCU. And it's just, it, it, it rewards knowing the characters and spending time in the world and makes you feel a part of the world. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, the um, kind of overall stuff that I really loved is just this idea that genre can really tell any story, um, that this uh, WandaVision was a show that was about, you know, grief, television, the nature of superheroes, <laughs> witches, uh, family structure, all sorts of things that we'll talk about, big ideas about what it's about, but that it was all just sort of wrapped up in this superhero show, and that is the power of genre, everything from fantasy to science fiction, that uh, they don't just do their shtick. They don't just do the superheroes wear costumes and they beat each other up and talk about heroism. That is what superheroes' stories do, period. They tell so many different stories, and I love that this first 
it, I know it wasn't scheduled to be the first Disney Plus show, but I love that this first Disney Plus show just really it was swinging for the fences. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like Falcon in Winter Soldier. Uh, it looks awesome. So far from the trailers, it looks like it's got its feet planted in Captain America, S.H.I.E.L.D., espionage, super soldier world. Mm-hmm. And it'll be good, but straightforward. Maybe. I don't know. That's what the trailers look like. Uh, but WandaVision was so like, remember, this is a vast world in which we can tell any story about anything. And we can pile weird on top of greatly relatable human meaning. And we're going to. Uh, so I love that. And I loved exactly what you said about kind of the mystery that it doled the story out so patiently and trusted that the audience can be patient or okay, then don't be like, and I know, (laughs) I know, you know, I think people, I don't mean to be, (laughs) uh, that sounded rude to imaginary people, uh, not imaginary people. There are plenty of people who said uh, uh, it's just television shows and nothing's happening. No. Um, but it was, it's, I think it rewarded patience and it, it took its time to tell a story in a way that made the story itself more powerful rather than rushing forward to make sure that everybody knew what was going on. But rather, uh, I've been really obsessed with this David Lynch phrase lately of room to dream. He talks about how in his films, he doesn't need you to know everything. You can intuit things and you can have room to dream. And I think there's some... When Lynch says this, I think he's often talking about the completed story. Mm-hmm. But even in just a weekly show like this, knowing that, okay, we're only in episode two and I have a million questions and I think most of them are meant to be answered and they will be. But in this week in between, I have room to dream and that's that gift. And I feel like this show gave us the the gift of room to dream in a big way. Absolutely. I love that. Yay. Uh, so let's uh, let's dive into some of the big themes. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say one of the themes is television itself. <laughs> <laughs> Since, you know, a lot of the episodes were uh, television. So for those early episodes, what did you get out of seeing these superhero characters that you know, Wanda and Vision, living inside these uh, these sitcom recreations? Were Were the sitcom recreations themselves enjoyable? What all did you get out of those early episodes? Um, so I just plain enjoyed them. (laughs) Um, I just, I, you know, everything from, I don't feel like wacky is quite the word for what I mean, but I can't think of a better word right now, but kind of some of the, the humor that to us now would probably seem a little wacky in an outdated way. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know, like I'm thinking wacky is absolutely not the right term for what I'm, but kind of like, um, but we'll use it because it's what's may, coming out of my mouth. Yeah. May, may I offer a uh, a way to say wacky? Sure. <laughs> I feel like they were doing the actual kind of comedy of the 50s and 60s in particular in those first uh, couple of episodes that still right. just had a had very much had a connection to uh, vaudeville and slapstick and literally situation comedy where the where the name sitcom comes from. So it, they were they were stories that were not entirely pastiching. It wasn't like they were winking and nodding and making fun of the dumb way we used to do comedy. They were just doing comedy the way we used to do comedy. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I guess that's what I was meaning by out of out of date to today's perspective. Yeah. But I think tying it back to where the comedy was coming from of the vaudeville and everything is great. Yeah. That 
is one of the many benefits of being married to a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> he won't shut up about vaudeville. Um, but you just enjoyed it as like comedy. Like you're like, hey, these were great sitcoms. Good job, Wanda and Vision. Um, yeah, I mean, I think so to me, I mean, I really enjoyed, I just, I enjoyed that they were not doing the wink, wink, nod, nod. I enjoyed Mm. that they were, that the show was being presented as this is what the show is, not a like, ha ha, and now look, he's going to trip over the, or he's going to walk through the chair. (laughs) Like that would have, I would have found annoying, but I enjoyed, I just enjoyed what it was. I enjoyed I honestly enjoyed the experience through their eyes yeah. of like Wanda trying to figure out how to cook and you know, like all of the things that they were going through. I enjoyed that part of it. Um, and I honestly enjoyed it very much on just kind of that surface level of what it was. And for myself was like, this is really fun. Um, and I'm really curious where it's going. And for the way that I process things, I don't have a need right now to think more into like well why did they choose this and what is it i will that will continue to that will unravel as the under onion skin unwraps uh but i will turn it over to you because we had a lot of conversations about sitcoms um so i got to have conversations about them during them but they were not ideas that came from me they're ideas that came from you so i'm not going to just sit here and spout your ideas back at you (laughs) i i would be honored uh, if you did but also like you were not you're not a you're a patient person in general. Uh, I will offer that opinion because you have been <laughs> incredibly patient with me in our lives together. Uh, but you, you didn't have any sort of like tap in the watch of like, where's the, uh, where's the superhero punch? And okay, I know, I know something's going on, but I want to know right now: Is Wanda doing this? Is she trapped? Who's watching her? Like, you didn't feel like you needed those answers in order to just enjoy those first several episodes. No, no. I mean, I certainly like every time the show ended, it was like, no, I need more. But that's a good thing, right? But in a really fun way, because, you know, I think especially we, we've we seen these characters talking about, you know, the MCU. We go to a movie, we see the entire story, and then it's done. So with this, you get both the um, the intrigue the anticipation of waiting for next week but you also have that like what i don't get the whole thing right now um (laughs) but you know so many things we do just get on demand or watch the whole movie or you know can binge the whole tv show it was really fun to get to experience this in that different way and i felt like especially for where it started um with you know relating back to tv shows and tv shows that when they were on you had to wait until the next one came on and with the early ones, like you had to watch them when they were broadcast because, you know, nobody's recording them. Yeah. <laughs> so, and now you have to watch this one as soon as possible. So it isn't immediately spoiled by all of the hashtags on social media. Right. So, like, we have hashtags on social media. They needed to watch shows because, so that it wasn't spoiled the next day at the water cooler. Like, you know, <laughs> there's always a version of spoilers. <laughs> I really like the idea that if somebody did not watch Dick Van Dyke immediately as it was broadcast the next day, right by the water cooler, uh, somebody would have just like scrawled spoilers <laughs> on the wall next to the water cooler in pencil. Um, yeah, I think for me, the television thing just really, really grabbed me, not only because it was like daring and different, uh, but I really love that they were funny in their own right, that there was definitely a couple of moments that were sort of winking, but only, but they were only winking in a way to like let us know a little bit of the dread or the uncomfort. It, the, any winking was about like, it's weird that Wanda 
the powerhouse who almost took down Thanos, uh, and would have if he hadn't <laughs> pulled a cheap trick, uh, is doesn't does she know she's in this world? Mm-hmm. Like those were the moments that felt like they were winking at me at the artifice of the sitcom, but there was nothing that was looking down of like. <laughs> Remember when dummies like this kind of comedy, and now, of course, we know everything about comedy from our modern perspective. There was none of that. And for me, the big thing that I really loved is that I felt like they were just sincerely pursuing the tensions and stakes that are active in sitcoms. And that is what made them actually successfully funny because you did actually just get invested in Vision's got a job and he feels different and awkward there and he's got to hold on to that job and now the boss is coming to dinner and Wanda is different and she doesn't want to be ostracized for it. She wants to prepare the meal uh, in a way that it's not going to weird anybody out. Um, That is the actual stakes of what sitcoms were. That Mm -hmm. is the stakes of the show we we were watching Mm -hmm. in 2021 and most importantly to me that's the stakes that i read about in that comic book in the (laughs) 80s that's the story of wanda and vision and even it's not even like i read the comic books it is explicitly the story of wanda and vision in the small amount of of screen time that they've got in the mcu i mean you think about civil war and you're spending time with them in the kitchen and -hmm. they're trying to cook together and talking and wanda and vision are talking about if they can ever be accepted. In Infinity War, when, you know, we've been spending a lot of time where where Wanda is, you know, um, where Wanda and, and Vision are trying to have a relationship, you know, mm-hmm. and they talk right before they get attacked in, in Infinity War about if they can make this relationship work. So Wanda and Vision are these figures of being just the most kind of coded as different and bizarre and frightening to others that you can get for superhero for mcu world and they have all of the same fears and anxieties that animate sitcoms throughout the generations Mm -hmm. about can i have a family will i be accepted uh for who i am if people see who i really am will they fear and hate me can i hold on to everything i love oh my god what happens if i lose it in even in like the funniest wackiest most slapstick filled episode of something like uh dick van dyke or i love lucy or bewitched those real fears are at work you know and they might just be resolved with a button at the end of the episode but those are the the human fears that animate them and i that was just like when people like oh great she's uh she's trapped in a television show great could you get to why and like that this isn't like she's (laughs) we've learned that she's you know trapped in a cube cool move on why like it was just like yeah two episodes of Wanda's in a jail cell but like the cell that she's in is the point <laughs> mm-hmm. for me and I uh, not to just transition to anger but that's why I loved it that's why I loved <laughs> the television sorry uh, now all good I liked that you said uh, that you prefaced uh, that's why I love it with not to be angry not not to uh, transition to anger <laughs> uh, well you know you know what I'm I saying do. you know what I'm saying it, it can be uh, easy to get caught up in the conversation versus just focusing on what you love and that's the reason I loved all the television stuff because it was we were setting the stakes it, mm-hmm. you know as the show you know revealed very clearly 
that it is very much about grief about the loss or the fear of losing these things. Um, And that's what Wanda was working through is the fear of losing all of these things. Yeah. Even when she created, you know, having them. Uh, So another kind of big picture idea I wanted to talk to you about is just this idea for me of like questioning reality itself. Mm -hmm. Right. So for the first half of the show, there is this constant reminder that we don't really know what level of reality we're in. We actual real humans, (laughs) as far as we know, are watching a TV show that's a weekly show on a streaming service. And the show is about real people stuck inside a TV show. But then there are also other real people outside the TV show who are watching the real people inside the TV show who are invested in it and on and on. It's all, you know, talk about uh, unraveling or unfurling an onion. Uh, (laughs) That's one of the things I I took away from the first several weeks. Even once we pulled back and we we saw Monica and Darcy uh, uh, and had a little bit, more understanding of what might be going on it still felt like it had this great effect of just making you stop and question levels of reality did the show make you question anything about how you perceive what is real (laughs) um no (laughs) no maybe should have um but a little bit related to that as the as the reality started to unravel um, sorry, as the as the unreality started to unravel, as the TV show started, to, yeah. the TV show within the TV show started to unravel, I did have a little bit of, um, like, honestly, fear of letting go. Like you didn't want the TV part to be over. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, yes. <laughs> so it anyway, successfully yes, made I you did. feel like Wanda, like this is my safe, cozy world where really stressful uh, things will happen but then they'll resolve okay and vision won't lose his job and the kids will be okay <laughs> there i think there was a little bit of that and i i'm gonna go ahead and say you know it's a little bit of you know we're in our uncertain covid world still uh here in in our reality and i know that there is a lot of uncertainty and things that needed to be explained within the overall show of wandavision i was really enjoying that but i did have a little bit of just you know kind of unexpected unexpected but but that's a that's a safe place that i that i go to on friday mornings and it was almost more about uh the the show that was created within the show than it was you know than about the overall show yeah so yeah, yeah. But no, I didn't really question reality other than that. <laughs> uh, I think uh, that you are not alone in having this show be extra powerful during the pandemic. And like kind of midway through the show when it became clear that like, wow, there are some uh, characters in here who in Wanda's spell who kind of knew they weren't living their real life. And when it started to become clear that Wanda was aware of some of it, but not all of it, didn't know how it started. And that feeling of living in that, reality that's extremely similar to normal reality but just in a foggy way not quite right for some reason was really powerful during the like 11th month of a pandemic right yeah uh but i think i think maybe this is because i'm so obsessed with that idea of those the television shows and the artifice that wanda creates is really about protecting structures of society of like what is normal and what is not. There's so much anxiety about that. Of like, you know, especially in like in that second episode where Wanda and Vision are trying to do uh, the talent show, and they're trying to figure out, you know, n- trying not to be seen as being out of step 
anyway, in any way. That there's just so much to me that that it it really uh, made me enjoy just taking a step back and and not in any sort of like <laughs> uh, you know college philosophy uh, you know what is reality uh, level, but just that reminder that everything that we choose to structure as a culture, we we construct. Like mm. we're not um, most of us, to my knowledge are not weaving a spell and taking people's agencies away like uh, Wanda, uh, you know, unintentionally did. But, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about jury duty because I'm supposed to go in eventually, but I'm in really like I probably need to be sure to get a, you know, vaccination before I feel safe doing that. And then just thinking about jury duty of like jury duty, I believe in, but it's a structure that we made up. It's not an inherent physical reality. You know, there's just something mm-hmm. about Wanda. There's so much in structures, uh, manufactured structure on on top of manufactured structure, and it and just because something's manufactured doesn't mean it isn't real or bad. But just being aware that that's what culture is. That's what a lot of our you know quote unquote reality is. There's physical science, physical reality, mm-hmm. but all of what we build up as our cultural reality are things that we construct together, which means we can change them and question them. Yeah, and take a step out of them and go you know we choose to do that and you know, we've done it for years and it's normal <laughs> quote-unquote normal but we could choose not to you know mm-hmm. as a culture yeah yeah i like i like thinking about that <laughs> <laughs> uh let's move on from questioning reality late at night uh after we've done a lot of zoom meetings um there was I wanted to talk briefly about this. So there there is an expectation game with the show, which I think it just it happens with Star Wars. It happens with uh, MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure is all the different Star Trek shows build up on Paramount Plus now. In, in those worlds, get connected. I'm sure Star Trek will get uh, pulled into that as well. It's just a it's a part of the fun. And then there is profit in internet sites turning it into clickbait. Mm-hmm. Um, but when uh, fake Pietro showed up. Uh, he was played by Evan Peters, who played Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men movies. And many people, since uh, Disney has gotten the rights to those characters now and know that the X-Men is are going to be introduced eventually, everybody's, uh, you know, it's a fun conversation that can become an overwhelming conversation of how are they going to introduce the X-Men. Mm-hmm. So when, P- when, uh, when fake Pietro showed up, uh, played by Evan Peters, a lot of people were like, well, that's it. Uh, Hugh Jackman's going to be in episode eight because he's going to be Wolverine. And they're just, that's how they're doing it. They're bringing it in. Wanda's going to break down reality and she's pulling him from the other. And I even had that. I was like, wow, is it, maybe is that where they're going? Is that, the, you know, uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Um, you, I think, were mostly free of those kinds of expectations, those kinds of what ifs, right? <laughs> Am I right in thinking that? You are. That's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> well, I mean. I was largely oblivious to those conversations. I choose to state it as free because <laughs> it is both fun and it is overwhelming because I think this is the conversation that's going on is like if it just it's fun, but if it distracts you from just watching the show in the story that the creators made the choice to tell and if it stops you from asking what is Wanda feeling? What is Vision feeling? You know, what is similar about Monica Rambo and Wanda's experiences? Will that bring them together? Or will that bring them apart? If it takes, if you just throw out all of those kinds of natural questions to ask about story and characters, and instead just say, 
who's gonna be the cameo and that's all you care about then mm-hmm. you're then it's overwhelming because you're disengaging from the story itself and mm-hmm. so uh, that's why i say you say oblivious i say free you're free <laughs> of those expect uh, yeah. of, of uh, taking up that uh, in your room to dream time, filling it up with, will Patrick Stewart <laughs> show up? So true. I, I want to hear from your perspective. You know, what? how did you process fake Pietro shows up without being distracted by all of those, you know, multiverse theories? Oh, specifically f- fake Pietro, I really liked. And I just took it uh, because I, yeah, I mean, I, I just wasn't paying a lot of attention to all the various theories. So I just thoroughly took it as this is such a fun use of, um, you know, TV and recasting. And clearly it's this, you know, it clearly I guessed uh, that it was not somebody that had been cast by, you know, quote cast by Wanda. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have, because she knows Pietro can't be there. And she still knows that even though she's within this reality that she created. So she's, but this is Pietro somehow. And I just, I loved that playing with reality within the TV show because Wanda at that point still thinks that she, you know, for the most part, hasn't questioned the reality of the TV show too much. Yeah. To her, it's still her life kind of for the most part. And so I, I liked it as both a questioning of it and also and accepting because I think, you know, kind of like you were saying before, like, what do we want to question? Our minds have such a capacity for acceptance of mm-hmm. things as well. Uh, you know, n- not always. There's limits and all of that. But it is just that, like, I think it's such a good demonstration of, okay, and here's Pietro. for From Wanda's perspective mm-hmm. of just accepting it with a little bit of a question mark still in her brain. But for all of us, I just thought, like, what a great solution, because that's that's great. You know, you need the the wacky uncle for, you know, this era of television, because <laughs> uh, I think that was like the 1980s version of, or 1990s. I don't recall exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think they kind of uh, melded kind of, some of the, yeah. the 50s and 60s were melded in the first two. And I think, uh, you know, in the later ones, 80s and 90s are definitely meeting. Yeah. So it was, you know, having see there I go using wacky. And I think wacky is the correct word in this instance the wacky uncle um Uh, oblivious and wacky you can use (laughs) all the words you want i think um so i just i thought that was it fit really well for the show and i thought for those of us who are within the mcu and aware of who quicksilver is from the x-men that it was just a really great way to do this yeah yeah i think i it, it worked on that level of just playing the the trope the sitcom truth the sitcom joke that people get uh recast but it's such a great way to deal with uh may, again the questioning those levels of reality for wanda who is on some level in some part of her aware that she is fabricating this stuff and wondering did i do that but if i did why is he different and it gets <laughs> into that level of dreamlike logic right you know mm-hmm. when you have those dreams where it's like and you're trying to tell them to somebody else, like, well, yeah, no, I had a dream and you were there. Well, you weren't really there. Uh, you were you were my dad in a box at the same time. You were all three of those things. But it was also you, like, you know, mm-hmm. that weird kind of dreamlike logic, which, again, for me, I felt it made me feel what Wanda is feeling. And that's what I want in a story yeah. is uh, is things that don't make me 
I, I get excited about fan theories and I have my own and they are fun and exciting, but I don't feel them in my soul. Mm-hmm. I feel the, my brother came back, but he's not my brother. And I, did I do it? And can I just melt into this thing I deeply want? Or should I be deeply afraid of it because it's kind of not right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's oh such my, a good way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, so I loved Pietro and I loved the reveal uh, <laughs> that because this is something that people were really uh, spiraling on. Agnes had had uh, mentioned her uh, her husband, Ralph. And so people had, you know, lots of speculations about what the Ralph reveal might be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like it's Pietro. It's uh, Ralph Boner. It's a it's a joke, uh, but a joke with meaning, I think. Uh, let's talk about grief just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, episode after episode, obviously, it became more and more clear that the show is truly, deeply, ultimately about grief. Uh, the showrunners have now just uh, said that in a couple interviews because that's the uh, that is the era we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we learn that Monica Rambo is grieving the loss of her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn that the organization Sword seems to have shifted from research and observation, and, and though they don't spend a lot of time on it, we have this brief conversation uh, between Monica and the new jerky leader of sword that they've you know shifted from research and observation to kind of aggression and defense in response to living through the tragedy of the snap right um and then of course the big thing with the main characters uh, we eventually walk through wanda's many traumas uh, growing up in a war zone losing her parents her brother ultimately vision uh you know i think we can even fill in as fans of like yeah and she spent a lot of time with many avengers who aren't here anymore, mm-hmm. uh, either for lots of different reasons. Um, and then ultimately she is, you know, denied the closure of bearing vision mm-hmm. and then ultimately creates this magical alternate reality of a comforting television world to live in. So how did the grief part of the story affect you? Did you feel empathy for Wanda? Did it make you think about uh, how you process grief? How did the grief part of the story hit you. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs up um, on grief. <laughs> right. No, I've, I have um, so many thoughts. I'm going to try to to parse through them here. Yeah. Unfurl uh, them like an onion. There <laughs> we go. I mean, uh, honestly, there there um, have been times in the past, and I'm sure will be times in the future, where if I could do what Wanda did, yeah. <laughs> totally that would be the option that i would go for just yeah. putting that out there um but i feel like i also just uh, i think you could, i i could feel grief being so much at the heart of some of the real moments of connection mm. and i feel like grief is such an important emotion and such a strong emotion that we maybe don't in our culture spend enough time with and don't usually have TV shows that are being portrayed as sitcoms that are actually dealing with, you know, a way to deal with grief. But it's like, but, you know, we should. And is this the version of the Mr. Rogers episode about grief? Is this series the version of that for adults? <laughs> that is a connection that I didn't expect and is awesome. <laughs> WandaVision, it's the Mr. Rogers of grief. (laughs) But I think that's really, really true because there is something about it to me that felt like 
it is okay to grieve. Like, you know, it's a, it's a complicated question because obviously Wanda, I think unintentionally, you know, imprisons all those people. And it's, it's yes. one of the reasons that I think she moves through her grieving process. And, you know, I, I didn't get a sense that she was done grieving. I think that I got a sense at the end of the series that she needed to move on from this way of processing it. Yeah, she but needed, it, yeah. it wasn't like great. I'm I'm better now. Thanks, weird <laughs> yeah. television adventure. Yeah, and button like that. You know, you know, was a contrast to the safety of the television world where her pain was going to go on, but she had dealt with some of it. Yeah, through this process. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point to make that she was not done. And since I just said I would do this if I could, I do want to clarify: <laughs> not the torturing other people whether intentionally or not. Uh, I will know. vouch for you. I don't think you're a, a torturing people <laughs> kind of person. That's one of my general goals in life, to not <laughs> torture people unintentionally or intentionally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I totally agree with just where you started with. When I when I thought about, okay, I, I can talk about, you know, let's break down the beats of grief and how do they support the themes and the, the characters. And like, but the visceral reaction for me is that image of Wanda just leaning back and all of that pouring out of her and becoming something else. It, it, right. That for me, for like a a big superhero with massive superpowers moments, like one of the most relatable genre moments I've ever seen of in, grief, yes, but also just I have been through ups and downs and I have tried to just keep on moving forward and soldier on and deal with it. And there is all of this inside me and it has to come out. Mm -hmm. It has to be dealt with. And I think that's what's so compelling about it is it feels like the world she creates is half denial, Mm -hmm. half escapism of I'm just going to hide in these shows that gave me comfort, but also half I, I need, this is all real. It happened to me and I need to process it. Mm-hmm. And by making it real and and processing all of those fears in sitcom fashion, I can work through them because it go back to my the whole point of why it's so important those first two episodes are television because she she does fear being ostracized that that was one of the hinge points of civil war that yeah. she was gonna be <laughs> controlled and contained and marked as a weapon. You know, uh, she does fear loss because she has lost people. Mm-hmm. She does fear the, you know, can she just have a normal relationship with vision? And then she lost vision, all those things. So it, it, it's like she it's a safe space for her to process that. Mm-hmm. So like one side, denial and hiding and another side, super uh, needed catharsis. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people really responded to Vision's uh, very kind line. We had the the penultimate episode uh, where uh, Agatha Harkness was trying to understand exactly what Scarlet Witch did, what Wanda did, mm-hmm. uh, and was walking through the various traumas of her life. And after uh, Quicksilver, her brother Pietro, had died, she is mourning in the Avengers compound. We get that line where Vision is trying to comfort her. Uh, and he says, what is grief if not love uh, persevering? And a lot of people 
really love that line. People love that line so much that then other people push back, and then those people push back on those people. Social media <laughs> is a constantly flowing place. What did you think of that line? Did that line pop out to you in the episode? It's like, this is extremely powerful. Um, y- yes. <laughs> this is a place to just let it all out like Wanda. Just be honest. <laughs> Pour your emotions into the microphone. So I I mean, it, it was built up within the show to to be an, a highlighted line. So yeah. uh, if it hadn't popped out to me, it wouldn't have... Um, I would have not been paying attention to okay. the show, so I feel like it 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 did pop out in that way, and I and I do um, I will, I have not spent as much time as some people thinking about that line. Okay. Um, but on first glance, when I when they said it the first time, and when I've thought about it since then, I I do agree with that sentiment, you know, in kind of a big picture. But it it wasn't like a blow my mind moment. I okay. didn't feel like this is the first time or place I've ever heard that general thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the line, but that idea expressed um, was not a new idea to me. Yeah. But I felt like it was really appropriate within the moment. And I really liked the moment that they shared with Vision saying that to Wanda. Yeah, I think me too. I think the the line is powerful. And I'm, I'm glad that particularly people who, who are you know, going through grief. And I think almost all of us are going through a kind of grief right now because of uh, the pandemic. I'm so glad that people got something from it. But I think for me, it was powerful from that moment Mm -hmm. of this is relatively early in their relationship. Vision is really like, I'm trying to understand humanity. And so I think what's powerful to me about it is not just that Vision is coming and seeing that she's in pain and trying to understand and relate, but he's also he's not he's not saying that in a way that's trying to fix it, yeah. Or trying to wipe it like uh, under the rug. He is expressing like in a true like. Well, I'm trying to just understand what grief is, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's just that you know you love them so much that you can't that they're going to be with you. You're you're going to always be thinking about them. They're always going to be with you. Isn't the fact that you can't stop thinking about your brother? Isn't it because you love him? Like it feel it feels so honest from vision, mm-hmm. which I think what makes it a real powerful line for me. Yeah, uh, I was distracted because there was a line a, a couple beats earlier in that scene that was the line for me when Vision is uh, trying to understand the sitcom that she was watching, uh, <laughs> and you know a bunch of lumber uh, fell on a character, and you know Vision says something about you know uh, it's funny that he sustained grievous injury. And like, and this is a, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have done this sketch. I have seen this bit a million times. The person who doesn't understand why pain is funny to humans. It, 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 that's always a fun and interesting thing. But Wander's response of it's not that kind of show. Yeah. Like for me, that's the show. Yeah. That, that, it, and, and not in a I'm right, but I'm saying for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, personally, subjectively, that's the line that makes the show powerful to me because it does tie back to the actual television in this idea that going into the sitcom world was not just escapism it was a place where she could look at everything that had happened to her and feel safe looking at it she could just drop lumber on her own head and be safe yep so she can process it because it's not that kind of show yeah no that was fantastic yeah um how do you think uh creating that alternate world really let uh, Wanda cope with her grief. I, I was just kind of sharing some thoughts on that, but I, I want to be sure to p- 
pitch that back to you. How do you think going through living that that sitcom life helped her? Mm. You know, I think sometimes, uh, I think one of the, like you were saying, one of the things that Wanda, we're led to believe, craved uh, and had not been able to have was a sense of normalcy. Yeah. And, you know, she had all these horrible things happen to her and, you know, then became an Avenger, which is not a normal life, (laughs) and then had people scared of her and all of these things. So I think it gave... Um, it gave her a sense of normalcy so she could have a place to process both the grief but also just the emotions of life without kind of the constant barrage of everything else that had come at her her entire life. Right. Yeah. Like there was still in the sitcom world the truth of who she and Vision were. Like they let the guard down when when the doors were closed and he was a brilliant synthesoid who could phase through walls, and she was, you know, a magic user, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a, a super enhanced individual who could move things around with her mind. Uh, so they accepted that reality about themselves, but that reality didn't dictate what their lives were. Right. Yeah, that's really, really great. That That's a great insight. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about the final episode, because that one really hit me uh, powerfully. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was that episode was really specifically about identity in a big way. Uh, it was about defining identity and choosing identity. Uh, a couple specific ways that I thought this uh, popped out is, you know, the nosy neighbor Agnes. She's been revealed as the big bad Agatha Harkness. And then she re- uh, reveals that Wanda is the Scarlet Witch. And, and then Agatha claims that only through her knowledge can Wanda understand herself, mm-hmm. you know, and Wanda really pushes back on, yeah, I don't need you to uh, define me. And then, of course, we have the two versions of Vision have that philosophical ship of Theseus conversation about which one of them is real and how we define uh, what is uh, real or authentic. Uh, At the end of the episode, when Wanda defeats Agatha, uh, you can debate if it's too harsh of a punishment, but Wanda chooses to trap uh, Agatha as nosy neighbor Agnes because that's who Agatha had made the choice to be. Mm-hmm. So Wanda was almost throwing it back at her. Like, you already made your choice, so I'll just reinforce it for you. Um, when Wanda realizes that she's been taking the townspeople over and taking their agency away, uh, that's what really gets through to her, specifically mm-hmm. like, you know, you, I have been changing who you are. You've been having my dreams for me. You haven't been able yeah. to be yourself. Uh, and that's, I think, what, you know, really gets through to her. And then, of course, you know, before uh, the hex ends, uh, Vision asks to know what he is very specifically and Wanda says he's the piece of the mind stone that lives in me a body of wires and blood and bone that I created and uh, he is also my sadness and my hope but mostly you're my love which is beautiful and also but also just really about the the beauty of being able to answer for somebody else what am I like well I literally <laughs> made you so for once I can tell you yeah exactly what you are yeah uh, but it's all about identity mm-hmm. so what's powerful to you about the idea that we have agency to choose our identity uh, so many things <laughs> I know I'm asking the real simple questions this week um I'm just gonna back up just for a second to say that her response to vision was actually one of my main moments for the show yeah. of when he asked what am I and when she responded like to me that was just such such an encapsulation not only of what is he but 
what has been this experience for her? Like of what, you know, we've like, we've been asking since week one, like, what is this show? And she's like, it's the part of me that is the mind stone. It's my, you know. Right. And I mean, and that is, that is him more than the world, but I just felt like it, it not only answered what he is as she sees him, but it also answered a little bit of what, what has been the purpose of this experience, experience for him? What, what have we all been going through? So I just wanted to say that for a moment. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> that's great. I think that's a really, really good insight that, yeah, the, these are the literal answers about vision, but it does. Maybe that's that moment of acceptance for her because she has such clarity mm-hmm. and she can express it to him and she is expressing what he is. But yeah, from, you know, a step back, it's like, that's what, yeah, that's what this process is. I made this world out of, you know, the, the, my sheer power um, and, it, and it's physically real. Yeah, uh, I created matter or, or transmuted it, uh, but this whole world, this whole project of living in this safe—you know—it's not that kind of show sitcom. It was about sadness and hope and love. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So anyway, just wanted to. No, that's since you had the quote there, which I had not fully remembered all the details of it, and it was one of the moments where I was really like, "Ding." Yeah, I wrote so. it down so I didn't paraphrase of like the, the my mind stone, and then there was I don't know a, a bar stool and uh, uh, ennui. I can't. I like, wanted to make sure that I got it right. Something? Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. Was extremely uh, well written. Uh, so let's go back to choosing our identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do we? How do I feel about choosing my own identity? About Wanda yeah. choosing her identity? Yeah. Well, I guess any of that. I'm I'm just fishing. Of yeah. Like, what is powerful when you? Th- when you think of a story like this last episode, and I, and I think a lot of WandaVision, where other people are telling Wanda what to feel, what to be. Mm-hmm. In this episode, she is saying, I decide that. Yeah. How do you feel about that idea? Yeah. I mean, I think it's great. And I think it also shows that sometimes in adversity, you can find out more about who you are. Mm. Which is not to say that you don't know who you are before, but, you know, like using exactly this example, Wanda knew she had powers, but then Agatha was like, no, you are the Scarlet Witch. Um, And it was through that adversity that she found out more truly about herself, which is, again, I mean, not really, I'm not trying that kind of negates what i'm trying to say all by itself (laughs) i don't think so (laughs) but um which is not to say that it's you know because that's what agatha said that's what she needs to be but she found out more about her own strength and her own powers and her own what was important to her through not just her experiences with agatha but also with the townspeople finding out that they're the ones having her nightmares for her is devastating to her yeah and i thought that was just um was really amazing. I, for myself, am happy not to have to go through the things that <laughs> Wanda is going through in the show to have to figure out myself. But I, you know, there's lots of sayings about adversity and, and challenges to find yourself. And I think there's reason for that. Yeah. I really like what you're saying is helping me see it in a new light because I think, I think what, what I was thinking when you were saying that, well, this is new information that Agatha has given her and it will affect her identity uh, knowing more about her powers and knowing that she is, you know, allegedly the Scarlet Witch, you know, uh, spoken of in whispers and written in a dark book. (laughs) Um, But 
she's still always the person that she's been like you know that mm-hmm. that that she's been shaped by her life and her family and her events like just that great uh i'm still that kid who is watching sitcoms uh, but now i have awesome power but i'm still that person and awesome power is just new information mm-hmm. as well as a part of me yeah yeah, yeah. uh th- so i think this how do you think this idea of identity speaks to all the other big themes of grief and television and escapism? How do you think <laughs> for you, how, how do those ideas uh, tie together? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating how they tie together and that things can tie together in so many different ways. Um, because <laughs> I'm just going to start talking. We're going to see what comes out. That's where I'm going <laughs> with this right now, just to put it all on the table. Yeah, I um, Because I think that you know, television, obviously, you can show a lot of things on TV. <laughs> Not on the show. You can't show that on television. You can't show that. You can show grief. You can show strength. Yeah. What was the other? You listed a few other things. Oh, I don't yeah. remember all of them. But, um, but I think that it's, you know, with all of these different layers upon layers upon layers, and we keep saying it jokingly with lots of different versions, but, it, you know, as you're saying, like, there's the show within the show within the show. But it also is like, is at the same time, it really provides an opportunity to say, to to show these different questions that are going on, these questions that the different characters are grappling with, whether inside Wanda's world or inside the outside world of WandaVision, that they're all grappling with them in, in different ways and finding insights and solutions both within their own realities and also from sometimes outside their own realities. Yeah. You know, at least for Wanda, I guess, outside of her own reality. But, you know, the agents from inside Wanda's reality, that it just, it really, it's just such a fascinating way to show how all of these different ideas can be connected. Yeah. I think that's part of what I really enjoy about it. And we'll think more about it after this to have... um, more fully describe it and then I'll just say it to myself but um but I just I feel like there's so many there's so many different connections going through this that they blend together in just ways that if you said here all of these things are going to be put together and it's going to work you would say (laughs) no (laughs) but it absolutely in my opinion it absolutely works yeah yeah, no, I, I like what you're saying, particularly to connect that, uh, you know, some of the things I was saying early on about I like these extremely bold, weird genre stories, you know, and this is an extremely bold, weird genre story with mm-hmm. lots of weird powers and lots of weird questioning reality and just accept this, just accept that, you know, she, she did build him out of blood and bone, but also in the second episode, gum got stuck in his works, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she is broadcasting this as a show, but does she, in, and the commercials do seem to be her subconscious really poking at her about her deepest dramas, yeah. uh, all these things. But then she's going through the same, similar things to what Monica Rambo is in a really real grounded hospital setting. Mm-hmm. And like through all of these different levels of reality, uh, there's a, a similarity in identity in, mm-hmm. in like a common human, you know, experience of grief. Yeah. And and the and that the television stuff is almost just an exaggerated way mm-hmm. of walking through it all. 
Yeah. 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 And, and of dealing with emotions and, you know, to a certain extent also, even though they are trapped and not doing it of their own free will, some of the, the people that are in the sitcom with Wanda who are, you know, kind of doing the things that she is knowingly or unknowingly having them do. That's another form of like dealing with grief is not, is going through the motions, not paying attention to what you're doing, not being able to necessarily even change what you're doing. You just have to keep doing it. Yeah. And so they're having their own version of grief, which is about being trapped here um, and what they can't deal with in the rest of their lives. And so it's like a whole additional um, way of looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot in this show that has for me the very, we are all connected themes yeah, right and yeah, Wanda accidentally overconnects <laughs> people <laughs> yeah uh, but people are connected by these various you know all these various traumas and something like you know the snap that's just real in, in this you know fantasy world of MCU that half the world disappeared and then half the world came back five years later yeah is you know a big trauma I think trauma is going to be a big part of the storytelling of MCU for for a little while now yeah um yeah I think I got so excited about all these different ways to look at identity in this last episode uh, that what I ended up walking away with when I thought about how it, it really went with everything else that was going on in the show is this idea that, you know, we choose our identities in like we choose our actions. We choose the person we want to be. Right. Uh, Wanda finds out that she's really, you know, hurting people and she chooses to, you know, not break down to Agatha's manipulation and mm-hmm. to end the hex, even though it was going to hurt her, uh, lose vision, lose these children, uh, all those that she makes those choices. She chose to stay true to who she is. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea of uh, identity as choice. But then I think through all of what we got to see her like do and experience, there's this reminder that um, uh, identity is also just built by the life that we lead, right? Mm-hmm. And that she wouldn't be the same person unless she'd had all these people in, in her life, you know, that, that what is uh, grief, if not love persevering is, you know, I think a part of that is a part of her identity is Pietro. Yeah. And a part of our identity is she lost Pietro. And I think a part of her identity is vision has existed in her life in, in several different ways and, and might again. And I think it's a part of her identity that she loves Dick Van Dyke, the TV show, you know, mm-hmm. and that all of these things, you know, this show is, showing us this whole time of of who she is and i think there's some acceptance in that of i don't i'm not going to just fix my grief and be done with it the way it might happen on my beloved sitcoms Mm -hmm. it's a part of who i am and and there's some acceptance in in allowing that yeah yeah so uh, a lot of fun grief stuff to talk about, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So thanks for the fun grief talk. Uh, just a couple more uh, topics before we wrap up here. Yeah. I want to talk about superheroes. Okay. Uh, you know, we've been talking <laughs> about superheroes, but I want to talk about, you know, this is a superhero show from yeah. the superhero company, uh, Marvel. So uh, Wanda started off in the MCU as being defined as uh, somebody who was given their powers in a pseudoscientific experiment uh, with the Mind Stone. And now in this uh, series, she's been reframed as a being of legend, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a witch, a sorcerer, a magic user who intuitively casts spells. It takes uh, years of practice for others to learn. And she's gone from, we'll just call her Wanda and we'll put her in kind of a crimson leather jacket to, screw it. She is the Scarlet Witch and this is her full-on comic book costume 
with a cape because capes are cool, period. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I so, so love the almost uh, meta real, 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 real life story of the MCU Mm -hmm. of going from this fear of acceptance, (laughs) this fear that we launched the MCU with Tony Stark. And even though it's all pseudoscience, it's he's a machine genius and he built a machine and he wears it and like, uh, but she's called Scarlet Witch and she just wears a weird thing on her head and she has a cape for no reason. And she's all about (laughs) the color red because Scarlet's in her name. That's too, we can't let's, let's ground it. And like age of Ultron there, you know, obviously they were spinning a lot of plates and there's not room for all of her, uh, introduction and you know she's a mutant in the comics and they're doing mutants all, all sorts of like practical things going on mm-hmm. but there's also just that fear e- even as far along in, in age of ultron of like she's weird but we can't we can't go all the way weird with her mm. and there's something about me as a comic book fan that i just i have the nerdy reaction of like find a way put them in their <laughs> real suits no matter how weird it is mm-hmm. because just embrace it. Stop being ashamed of it. it we loved it, this wouldn't be on screen if if so many people didn't love it on the page. Right. So find a way to make it real and stop being afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying any one person was afraid of it. I think it's like, yep, we're building out this really big, weird, convoluted world. At what point are we going to lose people if, if they get too confused or think it's something it's not and all that? Yeah. Uh, so I don't mean to be uh, I'm not saying that to a specific person, uh, uh, any one specific person. That like, this person was a coward. <laughs> I know <laughs> right. the executive's name. Um, but for me, it's this was this great show about Wanda processing all these things and accepting who she is. And a and a part of the revelation for her is she's this even weirder mystical figure called Scarlet Witch, and she somehow extra channels her power through this a strange thing on her head and this flowing cape uh, that I got to go through that journey of is a comic book fan of like, mm-hmm. yeah, let it all out. Just let her be the Scarlet Witch and let her let that cape flow, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so that was very affecting to me. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> and I wanted to see if you had any feelings about the sort of transition from the safe version of mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch where look, she got her powers from Mindstone. It's it's kind of science, and she's got a red leather jacket. Let's not get too weird. To I am the Scarlet Witch, whispered of uh, throughout time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, here here's my flowing cape and my unstoppable power. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I really enjoyed it. I certainly you know don't have all of the the background with it that you do, but I I actually hadn't quite put together because I just hadn't thought about it. I think until. Maybe right around when WandaVision started, you and I were talking about how they actually hadn't referred to as the Scarlet Witch yet, but it only referred to her as Wanda. Um, And since I had been talking prior to that with you about her and other people who knew her as the Scarlet Witch, those were often interchanged. Like in my mind, I was interchanging them, not really thinking about like, oh, but they haven't said that. You know, they don't necessarily use the, you know, the the name that the general public uses for each other, you know, when they're just hanging out at the various Avengers locations. <laughs> so so, so I hadn't really thought about that, but that was a fun thing going into this to be like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. It's just it's just been Wanda. Yeah. And I really enjoyed 
through the the kind of going through her backstory that um, Agatha brought her through of seeing more about Wanda's journey and that questioning of like, well, did the bomb just not go off or did you just somehow instinctually stop it? Yeah. And what exactly happened to give you your powers? Did it just sense your capacity to, you know, like what, like there's more to this story. And I, I feel like to me, at least this was such a great way of unleashing all of that information because it's so much information, but there's so many characters that we've had so far and to have it kind of, I feel like this gave it depth and space to breathe yeah, and room for us, the audience, but whether people who had been waiting for this and now could, you know, exclaim with joy <laughs> or people who this was brand new information to gave us all room to come along and get fully on board. And then, oh, my gosh, I mean, how amazing is it when she's, you know, floating and fighting Agatha and has her amazing, you know, full costume on like that just is a moment of pure joy. I feel like if you if you like superheroes and not not everybody has to agree with what i'm about to say but i feel like if you like superheroes you go on a few moments of that like just pure like yeah being a superhero in your superhero costume yeah absolutely yeah and i mean uh i understand after the super fun weird journey through sitcoms and grief that like yeah two visions uh punching each other feels like a little yeah sure we've been there done that but i still like yeah but i i like that that's a part of the the whole you know recipe of what this thing is Mm-hmm. You know, so I like seeing Vision full on doing his weird superhero stuff, fighting, you know, a different version of himself. Yeah, I I really liked that. Honestly, I just the fun weirdness of two visions feels so comic booky in such a wonderful way. And you mentioned earlier, you know, like the conversation they have, but just them, you know, fighting each other and trying to figure out where are they the same and how are they different? And just that that version of a reality where there can be two of you, but both similar and also different. Yeah. It's just, it feels so fun. And it's just embracing the actual fun of comic books Mm -hmm. of, you know, that is the fun part. And that's the part that hooked me when I was a kid. And I think hooks a lot of kids of like vision. What can he do? Oh, he can move through walls and, you know, he can become, you know, in, uh, you know, non-corporeal for a second and, you know, uh, yeah. let things pass through him. And then, Oh, how, if you could do that, how would you use all that? And you've got to see it for like flashes in MCU movies, but vision really overall hasn't had that much screen time. So this was a, uh, like a chance to be like, do you like vision from the comic books? Okay. Well, here he is using, here's two of him. Using all of those different weird powers, yeah, you know, and, and that is to me, it's not a, uh, it's it's too bad that they had to do the superhero punch up, you know, after all this. Like, I I love the weird deep television grief part, and mm-hmm. I love the superhero punch up. I'm here for both. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah, and for the name thing, I think they did such a great job of they had that passing moment in an early episode of like talking about uh, Maximoff and like does she she doesn't have a code name, right? Like, no. Everybody's like, no, she doesn't. So it did. It raised that specter. Mm-hmm. It, 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 that was, I think, one of those expectation things that I think it set up well. Of like, is she gonna get the name somehow? Are they gonna <laughs> give her the name Scarlet Witch? So so great. Um, this was also just like a very funny show, uh, stripping everything else away. Super funny show. Yeah. Did you have any specific funny moments uh, that oh. that you enjoyed? Gosh, so many, so <laughs> many. I mean, like I said earlier, I I really enjoyed a lot of the comedy within the sitcom structures i enjoyed the comedy of 
what was going on outside uh, the world as well, you know, with with our sleuthing friends. Yeah. Um, gosh, yeah, I can't think of a, a favorite off the top of my head. Okay, yeah. I mean, I think for me, the, the line that cracked really cracked me up in the uh, finale was, boys, deal with the military. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, and then uh, in the second episode, you know, people have been quoting the specific line a lot of flourish when uh, Vision has become drunk from gum in his workings and is trying to get through the variety show. The whole trying to get through the variety show, that's the kind of stuff, you know, the show within a show energy of I Love Lucy and uh, Dick Van Dyke in particular, because those are both shows in which the characters were involved in show business and some a lot of my early performing uh, I really, really love those shows and try to translate things like that. So I have done bits that are that like much like we talked about last week with the Muppet show of is the comedy is coming from is the show going to come off the rails? Mm-hmm. So I really, really like that of like if we do too bad of a job, we'll be ostracized. If we use our powers to do too good of a job, uh, we'll really be ostracized. Uh, and also just finding a fun way to like you know, in the 50s and 60s, drunk was a character type. Like, that character is a grandpa. That character is a bus driver. This character is drunk. Like, mm-hmm. it was just a shtick that was done much more often. And he's got gum, you know, in his gears with such a fun way to just do a drunk shtick, which yeah. we don't really do anymore. Yeah. Um, and so the flourish was really funny. And then I, 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 of course, wanted to mention the Agatha All Along song, mm. which was just such a great reveal. Uh, she was, uh, she's, uh, that actor is so funny in so many things and she really knocked it out of the park, uh, as Agatha and that song reveal is, you know, catchy and powerful and funny all at once. All fantastic. And yeah, I mean, I, I loved neighbor Agnes from the very beginning. <laughs> uh, here's, here's my last question for you before we start to wrap up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I said start to wrap up twice. I just have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> If you could live inside a TV show, which would you pick? Oh, wow. Wow, that's that's a really, really hard one. Because a lot of TV shows that I maybe think of, I honestly haven't seen since I was watching them as reruns, you know, when I was like 10 or 11. Yeah. So there's um, probably a lot that I'm not remembering. But since we just talked about it, um, I think I'm going to go with Bewitched. Oh, yeah? Really? Would you mm-hmm. want to have uh, which abilities yeah yeah nice mm-hmm. yeah so i mean really uh that would be a pretty nice world because <laughs> ding right and stuff's done yeah <laughs> i mean I, I yeah i think I, i'd go for that one how about you well if you'd have me i'd come uh with to bewitched <laughs> Please uh, do. if you would have me but the honest answer is cheers i just watched that so much and Cheers is this weird mix of, you know, it, it, it's in the opening credits is that everybody knows your name. There's always conflict, but it is this place of acceptance. And it's this surreal place where mm. you can get away from your job and you can go literally where everybody knows your name, like it says in the song. And you can just <laughs> sit there and drink and drink and drink and you'll only get actually drunk if it serves a narrative or joke purpose. Otherwise, it has no effect on you whatsoever. <laughs> so you would want to go and be one of the people who sits at the bar, not be one of the people who works at the bar. Yeah, I think I'd want to be, you know, buddies with uh, with Norm and Cliff. And every once in a while, I'd get a spotlight episode where something weird would happen in my life. But the vast majority of my life would be uh, swilling beer and making snarky comments. 
<laughs> living vicariously through uh, Sam and Diane. I, I think I could deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I could cope with that. Uh, what kind of noise can you make to sum up your interest in WandaVision? Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the noise just stopped. <laughs> what was that? It was so many things because I both feel like it needs to be something with a flourish, but I also feel like, yeah, that, I actually feel like that's not. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do a version two. Okay. <laughs> I still can't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have a noise that you're trying to make that can't get out. No, I have too many emotions, and I can't turn them into a noise. <laughs> This is a very WandaVision uh, problem to have. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to go with that one. And what I'm going to say is that imagine it with both the like, here, because you've got like the, the high, like, you're just wrapping everything up. And is that you're wrapping everything up like it's a sitcom? Or is that you're wrapping everything up like it's a little spell? Or is it something else that you don't know what it is yet? But at the same time, there's also a, a lower note because there's a you're still tethered down into the bass clef. And that's where like grief and knowledge of yourself live. Wow. That's what I was trying to put out with those two noises. I think you nailed it. I think you did a great <laughs> summary of WandaVision. Uh, my, are you ready for mine? I am. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it'll come out right. It's dink. Uh, that is the sitcom sound effect of the big wink that uh, that Catherine Hahn does is, is Agnes. Yeah. That has now become a, a very fun meme on yeah. social media of, you know, the, uh, oh, yeah, no, I said this thing I totally mean. Dink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great image. Great performance. All right. Let's rate our obsession. So on a scale of one to ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest, how obsessed are you right now with WandaVision? I'd say around a seven. Okay. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll join you at uh, uh, I'll say an eight. Yeah, uh, because I think I am um, mulling it over a little bit, and I'm probably gonna reread some of those comic books. So I, my obsession is gonna spill out. Yeah, well, now that I know about this uh, this maxi series, I think I might need to join you in reading these. <laughs> well, that can be our fun uh, bedtime reading. It's like time <laughs> to visit the maxi series. Uh, I know that we have said a lot about this show, but I do want to make sure that you've had an opportunity to talk about anything that you want to, any other uh, thoughts that you want to share about the show? Um, I'm sure yes, but no, I feel like we've done a a very thorough job. (laughs) (laughs) And when in doubt, I liked it. When, yeah, when in doubt, when it's when I've been saying we're going to start to wrap up for a half an hour, then I think it's fine to proceed towards the <laughs> wrap up. Uh, why don't we do some plugs? Where can people find you on mm, social media? Find me on Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. And here are some quick plugs uh, for this very show. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. If you like hearing me uh, ask people, how do you feel about layers of reality? You will enjoy our <laughs> Star Wars conversations that I have uh, with the wonderful Ken Napsock. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshot.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Here are our final questions inspired uh, by WandaVision. If you could phase through solid objects like vision, how would you use that power? Wow. Um, I thought it was just going to be like, would you want that power? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, I would. Um, well, 
I mean, here's one way that this is such a ridiculous, uh, like practical reality, but I often am carrying too many bags. <laughs> and so it's hard to like get keys out and open doors and all of that. And I could just phase through doors. Uh, in particular, when I have too many, too many things I'm trying to carry. Like, yes, what a time saver. I like, I would have so many fewer bruises on my legs. <laughs> <laughs> I will always get the door. Oh, I know. I mean, I do this. I do this when I'm by myself. As well. I mean, you do get the door when we're together. Yeah, and you do sometimes clip desk edges. Oh, frequently. That's a thing that you do, not on purpose. No, <laughs> no. And I should say, like, I don't think I actually have. I. It's been a lifetime of carrying too many things and then trying to open a door, hold it open with a leg or a foot or something. And I, I. Done. I'm gonna knock on wood quietly over here. That um, I actually I do I don't think I do have any bruises right now from running into doors or trying to hold do. things uh, open with my legs. Yeah, but uh, you have, if I may, you sometimes have like a change purse which is in a small purse which is in another larger purse, and if you could phase, you could just reach in and like grab that quarter. <gasps> I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, very wow. powerful. Okay, we'll, we'll get yeah. these powers. We'll work it out. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, I'm, this is what I'm going to be brainstorming on. Yeah, I'll order a Mindstone from eBay. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I can do it. Yeah, I found a few, I saw a few on Etsy today. It's all good. Uh, so there's that great uh, uh, final uh, post-credit scene uh, where Wanda is, uh, as we, we know what to call it because we've seen it in uh, Doctor Strange, Wanda is astral projecting. And her astral form is reading the Darkhold, uh, reading a book, uh, while she's just making tea and enjoying being in a cabin, it would appear. So if you could astral project like uh, the Scarlet Witch and read a book while also doing another task, what book would you read? Mm. You know what? Here's what I would do. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many non-fiction books that I really, really, really want to read, but I'm not good at making the time for reading them during the day. Uh, so when I read them, I'm sleepy and then I don't finish them. Uh, for example, I've got a few different books on um, climate change and uh, things like that that are not, you know, like nice light bedtime reading, but I really want to finish them. They're very interesting books. Um so yes, I would. Um, I'm not, I'm not thinking of the title of of them right now, which oh, is I'm not fine. giving a specific uh, answer. But that's what I would read. Is I would read those because I really want to, and uh, I assume that astral projections can actually take things in and retain things even better than like yeah. a normal self. So that would be delightful. Yeah, and much appreciated. That is great. So I I can't wait for you to learn to astral project. Yeah, it's gonna be a <laughs> and learn everything about climate crisis. A yeah. busy march for me. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I'll work on the phasing, and you can work on the astral projecting. <laughs> we'll we'll split it all up. Final question on the podcast is always: What is happiness? Happiness is finding your identity and being able to astral project, so you can read a good book. <laughs> Those are two. Only slightly different answers, but both <laughs> great. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you for, uh, I think a lot of people really, really uh, enjoyed this show, or at least were really intrigued by this show. And it's been, uh, I know I've made several jokes uh, or, or actual uh, frustration noises about the social media conversation. But honestly, in the big picture, this is 
been such a joy to share this really different, really surprising uh, show with everyone. So I would say thanks to anyone listening who has contributed to that conversation because I have really, really enjoyed it. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. I realized that when we do this little tag, this is our podcast's post-credit scenes. So (laughs) what future podcast adventure shall we hint at? What's next for us? Ooh. Um... Uh, running around somewhere (laughs) (laughs) stay tuned true believers (laughs) we're gonna run around somewhere